Welcome to Career and Leadership Real Talk, the no-nonsense guide for ambitious managers who want to have more impact and progress their career. I'm Pamela Langan, a job search coach and expert CV writer specialising in helping frustrated professionals land the jobs and pay rises they know they deserve. And I'm Jackie Jagger, a leadership and mindset coach specialising in helping newly promoted and new to role leaders to avoid the dickhead trap and lead with confidence. Between us, we've helped hundreds of leaders and managers to find new roles, take ownership of their careers, and handle the challenges that job searches and leadership responsibility inevitably bring. And now we're joining forces to share with you what we know has worked for our clients. Hello and welcome to this week's episode. Today, we've got another juicy career clinic and picked out some really good questions that have come in and they're all leadership focused. So they're all going Jackie's way today. So we're going to get straight into it because I think there's going to be loads of you that will resonate with these and probably loads of people that have got these situations going on for them right now. So hopefully the answers will help you too. But if you do have any questions for us, then don't forget to to send them in. So let's get started. So the first question is around a personality clash. So this person has got a colleague who is constantly trying to outdo them and be the one that shines so what is the best way to make sure that that I can still shine and to make sure that people realize what what they're trying to do yeah I've I've definitely seen examples of this recently as well people will probably relate to it they've even if they haven't been on the receiving end of it they'll have seen this play out in the workplace because there's very often this kind of almost competitive butting heads particularly when people are at the same level um, I've seen it before for example when a new boss comes in and then you get members of the same team who are all kind of trying to outdo and be the one that shines and kind of position themselves and all of that kind of stuff so yeah it is it is common so I think essentially here what I would say is try it and this I know is hard to do so I'm not suggesting it's easy, but it is, I think, the most effective approach is to take the emotion away because very often this stuff is pretty transparent to other people. So that person who you're getting really irritated by, who is constantly trying to do the whole one-upmanship, whether that's claiming ideas as their own, whether that's kind of getting involved in things that are in your area, any of that kind of stuff it's often that they have a level of insecurity for some reason. If somebody feels like they need to jostle for position, it's very often that they don't feel they already have that position. So they're trying to justify it. And the more that you get triggered by that or respond emotionally to it, the more that tends to escalate all of that. The whole situation kind of gets ramped up. And it is... It's kind of almost trust that other people can see it for what it is. Trust that generally you won't necessarily know whether sometimes it's your manager that's managing both of you. Sometimes it's you've got a manager and they've got a different manager. But it's kind of trust that people see some of this behavior. People know some of what's going on and don't rise to some of the things that they might say that might feel 
triggering. I do think there's still a place for being clear, assertive, kind of making your points, but it's got to be done in a way that doesn't position you as being emotionally triggered towards reacting to to what they've said or done. So I know that's quite general and there's, there's lots of different iterations of this situation, but hopefully that, like I say, I know it's hard, I know it's not easy, but it's things like if they sent you an email, God's sake, don't reply to the email, like pause, <laughs> like write the email, but don't send the email or actually pick up the phone or speak to them. If you're in the same office, have a conversation because that immediately tends to inflame things. When you do have conversations, keep it on a very professional, very clear what I would, from coaching perspective, call it clean language, which is language that doesn't have emotional triggers attached. So be very factual, be very logically driven. And if you need to, then have the conversation with your boss. But I would say what you don't want, again, is to kind of seem like you're insecure and you feel like you need to go telling tales to them. Generally, your boss will have clocked it and they will know that it's happening. So unless you've been for quite some time trying to handle this, then I would say just ride it out. And if you have over time, then what I would say is factually to your boss, talk, we've given in previous episodes about feedback, we've given advice on how to give feedback. So give your boss feedback in a way that is logical and makes sense as opposed to the emotion. Yeah, definitely. And we'll link to the feedback episode in the show notes as well. And I think with this, one of the things that I've found is when you get upset and when you feel triggered, you lose your focus. So then you put all of the focus onto this person that is trying to outshine you. And it's just being a general pain in, in the bum. And you you really at this point when you start to feel upset or when you start to feel triggered, that's where you need to really think about staying in your own lane and focusing on the work that you need to deliver and moving forward because otherwise you'll get so wrapped up in that kind of the emotion of it. And it's right what you say, isn't it? Like you've got to take that emotion out of it because they are obviously for them to be doing what they're doing, they're feeling insecure. So you need to almost rise above it, even though it will be triggering and upsetting for you and stay in your own lane, continue with your, your focus and people will spot it, won't they? They always do. And you want to be seen as the person that keeps the focus and keeps moving forward. Fab. So the next question is, and this is one that definitely comes up for people in marketing, I would say. So everybody feels like they've got an opinion and everybody thinks that they can have a say in the work that I deliver. So how do I put them back in their box? (laughs) Yeah, this is, so I would say there's two areas I think where this massively comes up and that's marketing and operations. So a lot of my background was in retail. Anybody who's a customer thinks that they get to have an opinion on anything that's customer facing, whether it's the wording of an email, whether it's how something is wrapped in a store, whether it's the way the store is merchandised. So yeah, I I definitely have empathy with the marketers. Funnily enough, no one seems to no one seems to say this quite so much in finance and IT. It's like 
people outside those functions don't want a medal. It's kind of like, no, <laughs> leave them to it. Yeah, this is a really common thing where, and, and again, I think I see it come up a lot for marketers because again, people kind of just have views on marketing communications, social media campaigns, TV ads, you know, creatives, brand design, the whole thing. People just see it and they have, and, and that's, on the one hand, it's good because people are having a, a reaction, they're noticing it. But oh my God, if you work in that function, it is it can be exhausting when it's kind of like everybody feels like they need to have an input into this. I think one of the things that can be really helpful for this is having real clarity on who gets to make decisions on certain things, who has ultimate accountability on who then kind of gets to feed in. So who will be consulted, whose who's input. So as an example, when I was in operations, I used to liaise really closely with colleagues in marketing because of that kind of customer insight. And that was effectively part of that was me saying, okay, well, I can see that customers might ask this question or what have you. So there was stuff where it was their decision, but they would consult with me. And I totally understood and recognized that that wasn't my decision to make and I could put my suggestion or my case but it had to be evidence-backed and I think that's the thing when people are given the opportunity to input it's trying to steer them again towards being factual towards and I think it's kind of almost linking to we've talked about the purpose outcomes process framework It's kind of linking when people are being consulted, it's linking them to the bigger picture, because what will happen is people have an opinion on a little detail over here. And what but what's in your head is that this is all part of a bigger thing over here. And actually, that's the tiniest detail. And we don't need your input in that. Thank you very much. But we do need to know how this might link to this. So use really good questions when you're consulting and seeking input, have clarity over who gets to have the decision and I think it's also about investing in those relationships so sometimes it's kind of being clear that okay I've had really mixed feedback I've had different feedback from different people so almost people don't assume that their amazing idea that they've come up with or their opinion is going to be used because they recognize that you're consulting with a number of people and that there's different opinions in the mix and that kind of you build that relationship where they trust you to make the right overall decision and I think again if I go back to my days the more that I trusted someone and knew that they knew what they were on about the easier it was for for me to kind of back off because I didn't I felt like they've got the basis covered. They're consulting with the right people. They've got the right experience. They know what they're doing. So I think sometimes it's almost more about looking at getting people out of the detail, but also positioning yourself as that kind of credible expert over a longer period of time and being receptive, respectful, but also clear on where where the boundaries lie. And I think often it's where the boundaries don't exist that this ex- gets exacerbated. Yeah, it's it's a funny one, isn't it, as well? Because I think as humans, when somebody tries to impart their opinion or give us some advice on something that we've spent years learning in university and years learning on the job, it almost feels like that 
it feels instantly like it's mistrust doesn't it like it's like this person has given their opinion that they've read an article and now they're an expert and I've got all of this experience I've got 20 years experience and this person has gone and read one article and now they think they're the leading expert in this particular area and it can really feel like a lack of trust towards towards ourselves and I think when you take things personally like that it, it can be really hard to to then communicate that bigger picture, can't it? So I think it, it's it's good to kind of go, right, okay, this person actually is providing their input and an opinion for a reason that I don't know. And it could be to make themselves look good. They might have read something and thought, I'm going to give this really good piece of advice or give this really great input. And actually they've not thought about it. They might not be as self-aware as what you are. They might not have really thought it through or know how it links in with the bigger picture. So I think it, it you definitely need to kind of just stop for a second, don't you, and go, where is this coming from? <laughs> and I think as well, sometimes that's, I think you've made a really good point there because I think there's also the element where sometimes people are just eager and enthusiastic and a beginner. And that doesn't mean throw the baby out of the bathwater sometimes somebody will give you a question or an insight or an idea that because of their relative lack of experience they just have a different perspective and sometimes it's about seeing that someone is eager to learn or know more because they've been off reading these articles and now they're desperately trying to show you how much they've learned from them and trying to harness that without taking it personally (laughs) that they've missed out on yes, you've had, you've read the one article, but actually here's the 412 that I've read over the last 20 years. And in the context of the overall picture, it's not the right thing, but almost try, if somebody is doing it from a place of enthusiasm and input, try not to quash that just in this, in, in order to kind of, because it's irritating because of them showing an opinion. I think sometimes it, it can be good to kind of get those people on side and, and kind of be able to manage that in a way that kind of helps them to recognize you are the expert, but also you recognize their enthusiasm. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. So that brings me on to question. The, the third question is, my boss thinks that my team member isn't doing a good enough job, but I think they are. Help. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so this is one that, has come up relatively recently actually and yeah I I really empathize because it's just like you feel like piggy in the middle don't you if you've got someone on your team and you think they're doing a good enough job and then all of a sudden your boss doesn't think that and and again this is a situation I've been in when I was employed and I think one of the things here is to it can be tempting to kind of almost let it roll downhill (laughs) kind of say you need to do something different because the big boss says you're not doing a good enough job and actually that destroys the relationship between you and that person I think as someone's manager you have to take ownership for that relationship and for ensuring that that person is able to perform so if you've got a different perspective the first thing I would say here is about understanding what what is it that is making your boss think that your team member is not doing a good enough job. So is it about personal interactions between your boss and that team member? Is it that they've seen somebody in that role before and they perceive them to be doing better? What are the examples that your boss can give you 
that you can then consider because maybe there are things that your team member isn't doing and you're a bit blind to it or maybe there's things that your team member is doing and your boss is blind to it but I feel like you've really got to get on the same page first of all and sometimes then that means that there's some conversation for you to have in terms of how you manage that person but sometimes it's about your boss backing off a bit and again I remember a conversation with a boss of mine and effectively it was kind of like this person's not doing this not doing this not doing this and my response at that time was they're new they're learning they're getting there I'm pleased with their progress they they are the right choice for that role and my boss's words were well you trust her and I trust you but you better make sure this works out (laughs) or words to that general effect and it did and it, it it worked really well but had I have gone to that person in that learning curve and said my boss says you're not good enough at this yet you need to fix it that takes me takes my ownership completely out of the situation and it damages her confidence because she's then feeling like I don't believe in her whereas as it was it was a case of I did tell her about it way later but it was that element of no I'm backing myself with the decision that I've made and I'm going to own that with you as my boss and I'm going to own the relationship with you as my team member. Yeah and it's I suppose it's a hard situation that to be in isn't it because it's like what do you do first? Do you go and speak to that team member and just have a conversation with them? Or do you just go straight back to the boss and be like, well, no, I'm happy with their work. But I think sometimes as well, you can be in a situation where you're unsure in your own role. So it's harder, isn't it, to have those difficult conversations either way, if you're feeling a little bit unsteady or unsure in your yeah, own and that's why I think it's opening that conversation with your boss. Okay, yeah, you know, a question that I've suggested when that that situation has come up is, okay, help me understand why you feel that because this is what I can see. So, mm-hmm. help me talk me through your th- thought process that you think that situation because often it will be quite generalized and they won't have given you kind of examples or specifics. It will just be, oh, that person isn't performing, and. I think it's important to unpick where's this perspective come from, what's shaped it. Like I say, what are they seeing or not seeing that is different to you? And I think when you open the conversation with a bit of curiosity around that, why have we got different perspectives, then you get some of those insights that allow you to then make the decision on, okay, how am I now going to handle it? Yeah, and I think but I think that's a great question as well. That helped me understand because you can pretty much use that anytime anybody comes to you with a complaint of, of any sort or if somebody comes with feedback of any sort because it's like, help me to understand where this is coming from or help me to understand why you're feeling this way or thinking this way or whatever it is. And I, I just think that's a really good question that everybody should have in their leadership toolkit because that, that can help in so many different situations and I think as well at at this point it's probably good to mention that you do the the power hours to help people with these kinds of situations because sometimes you just need that little bit of support or a conversation around what do I do in this situation this one situation that I found myself in I don't need ongoing coaching I don't need a full coaching package but I just need 
to to get on a call with somebody and thrash this out and figure out what I do next or how to deal with these people that I'm managing or that I'm managing me, whichever way it is, there's a, there's always a situation, isn't there, where you think, I wish I could be better. I wish I had the right answer. And Jackie's Power Hour sessions are great for this because you can literally get on, on a Zoom call with Jackie and thrash all of this stuff out and go away with a really clear action plan on what you're going to do to deal with that situation and build your confidence and get some clarity and all of the other magic that Jackie brings on those power hour calls. I mean, what Jackie can cover in an hour is unbelievable. So I would definitely recommend that if you're feeling stuck in any kind of situation at work, book in a power hour with Jackie and just thrash out, get it off your mind, move forward with it, use it as part of your own personal development and resolve these things rather than letting them fester would be my advice and we'll put the link to book in the show notes and they're there for every episode so if you find when you're listening to different episodes then you want to book in with one or other of us and then you'll always find those booking links in the show notes so thank you for joining us we are really enjoying these career clinic sessions this is literally like my childhood dream to be an agony aunt has come true where I get to answer these questions. So yeah, please do join us again next week for some more. And in the meantime, please share this with anyone who would benefit, who's experiencing some of these situations and we'll be back with you next Monday.